the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And um, we've got a great program for you today, my friends. First of all, we're going to have um, uh, we're going to be speaking with Mr. Kendrick Ward, Ken Ward, who's a freelance journalist here in San Antonio. And uh, he's going to be talking about the local fake news and their efforts to confuse legal and illegal immigration. Uh, the city of San Antonio ran a, a uh, or the San Antonio Express ran a uh, news article regarding the positive economic impact of immigrants. But they never uh, they never mention whether or not these immigrants are legal or illegal. I mean, completely overlooking that thing. So we're going to be chatting about that. Secondly, we're going to be chatting with Mr. Isaiah Mitchell, who is the chairman of the Young Conservatives of Texas at Trinity University. And we're going to be ch- chatting with him about this uh, this push to remove Chick-fil-A off the campus at Trinity University. He's got some inside information for us. So uh, we'll be chatting with him. And finally, we've got a very, very special guest. Hope you'll stick around for this one. Uh, Mr. Louis Gomert, Congressman Louis Gomert from uh, Tyler, Texas, the uh, first district of Texas. Uh, Louis is going to be chatting with us about uh, what's going on in the swamp up there in D.C. with regards to uh, the uh, efforts to un- to get rid of uh, of Trump, of course, and uh, the uh, other issues like illegal immigration that's not being addressed or stuff, you know, other things like that. So uh, stick around. It's an excellent uh, conversation we're going to be having with um, with Louie. So uh, let's jump into it because two big items occurred this past uh, week uh, here in, uh, or should I say uh, nationally, regarding illegal immigration. Um, that is uh, on Thursday, uh, May 16th, this past Thursday, uh, the president uh, announced that uh, he was going to be pushing uh, a, a new effort for legal immigration, legal immigration, where it would be merit based and uh, uh, which, you know, uh, I think it's it's highly due, uh, due because uh, so much of an emphasis has been on family reunification. And, you know, that doesn't do us any good if the family that's being reunified doesn't have any skills, doesn't have any knowledge. And very importantly, doesn't want to assimilate. <laughs> I mean, really, we've got we do have that problem with some some immigrants nowadays, like uh, like two that I can think of that are in Congress right now, Omar and uh, Iliad or whatever her name is, Odyssey. I don't know. But um, these uh, the, there are some immigrants that just don't want to mix in. And, uh, you know, what's the point? What's the point of coming to a country if you don't want to assimilate? You don't want to be part of it. So uh, it uh, it addresses part of that. It addresses uh, fa- uh, that they've got to have skills. They've got to have uh, some type of uh, of uh, education. They've got to have education. Uh, you know, I fully support it, and all of this addresses the issue of legal immigration. And I, I, I for one, love it. It's America first. It's an America first approach to um, immigration. And secondly, there's um, there's legislation that's been proposed uh, in the Senate by uh, Senator. Uh, Lindsey Graham uh, to address this whole issue of uh, asylum seekers from uh, mostly from from the, uh, the they call it the Northern Triangle, uh, Honduras, uh, Guatemala and El Salvador in Central America. And, uh, you know, the problem we've got with that, my friends, is we've got people walking up to the Border Patrol and uh, just declaring uh, asylum. And uh, rather than returning them to their country where they can wait for their processing, they're we are giving them a court date and then releasing them into the United States, and uh, we never see them again. The vast majority of them never, never appear for their court date. So uh, to address this issue, we're going to be returning children because most of them show up with kids. And heaven only knows if they're really their kids or not. Uh, and uh, we are going to uh, be 
supposedly, if the legislation passes, uh, we are going to be uh, sending, uh, making them wait in their home countries, either in their in the Northern Triangle or in Mexico, while uh, their application for asylum is reviewed. This would go a long way, my friends, a long way to stopping this uh, the abuse that we've got right now of people just walking across the border and declaring. Uh, asylum in Mexico not doing a doggone thing about it to help us, as well as um, their home countries not doing a doggone thing to help us. So um, those two big happenings, I personally don't know if they're going to happen or not, but, um, uh, you know, I am eternally hopeful. Uh, however, my friends, we've got to understand that this is, you know, the President Trump's uh, plan uh, addresses legal immigration. Those are the folks that are coming in that we are allowing, that are making applications and whether or not their applications move through the process. Uh, legal application, legal immigration. We're also, uh, Lindsey Graham's uh, is also, uh, although the people are abusing it, they are uh, entering legally and lawfully right now because they just enter and, you know, they cannot be detained and they are released. Well, my friends, in order to uh, to address the whole problem of illegal immigration, which is a separate ball of wax, we need to do some something different. We need to do much more than just build a wall. Okay, I uh, I want to be sure that you understand that I support building the wall, but we need much more than that. We need the use of military blimps and drones uh, for observation. We need high tech sensors and cameras on the on the border, and we must build a very high, strong, even dangerous wall. Okay, to stop and discourage illegal immigration. Okay, it's it's that simple. We also need, my friends, and here's my list of things that we need to do. We also need to end the magnets that bring these people here and keep them here, those magnets. We've got to close the loopholes in the uh, immigration law that allow them to come in and abuse immigration, uh, the the, uh, immigration to the United States. We cannot excuse and reward illegal immigration in any form or fashion, my friends. Otherwise, it continues. We've got to stop. Illegal alien employment or the employment of illegal aliens. We need uh, to use E-Verify. We need to make it a national requirement. We also need to enforce the I-9 requirements uh, for all employer employment applicants. Uh, We've got to end the social benefits for illegal aliens. No more public housing. No more public education. No more uh, public welfare. No more uh, help. Public health. I mean, these things, my friends, bring these people and keep them here and keep them here. These are social benefits that should be reserved only for citizens and legal residents. We also have got to uh, start immediate deportation of illegal aliens that are caught at the border. And this is where Lindsey Graham's uh, 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 legislation comes in, because, uh, you know, we can't detain them and then release them on bond because they don't show up. It's not going to happen. We can't do that. We need to do immediate deportation of adults and minors, which is another thing which the, the Lindsey Graham uh, uh, legislation allows. Send the minors home along with the with parents or uh, unaccompanied. They, sh- they arrived at the, our doorstep unaccompanied. Send them home unaccompanied. What's the point? These applicants, these asylum applicants have got to wait either in a third country or in their own home country while they wait for, for asylum uh, to be reviewed, for their asylum application to be reviewed. We need more Border Patrol agents. Uh, Hector Garza, my good friend from, uh, from the Border Patrol Union, uh, who's based in my hometown of Laredo, uh, he, uh, he made the comment uh, on, uh, on Thursday or Wednesday of this week, uh, he made the comment that uh, the border is out of control. And it is. It is out of control. We need better paid, more Border Patrol and ICE agents, better trained and better paid so that we can protect the border. The border, my friends, is essential for the survival and existence of our nation. It is essential. We've got to use the the military as well to support the Border Patrol uh, and ICE in their efforts. We've got to have the military to, to help protect the border, my friends. It's that it's that simple. Why? Because what we've got, my friends, is an invasion. There's no two ways around it. We've got to use uh, we've got to use state, local, and deputized law enforcement as well to support the border patrol and ICE. We uh, we must allow the border patrol agents to defend themselves against attacks by illegal aliens and international criminals. Right now, they are handicapped, my friends. But we've got to turn them loose and let them let them fight back. Let them fight back. We've got to end, also, the foreign aid to these countries that will not cooperate 
that will not cooperate in sending illegal immigrate uh, their their citizens illegally to the United States, and who won't accept them when we return them. We've got to we've got to end the the, the foreign aid to these countries. In my opinion, my friends, and this is my humble opinion, we've got to use surgical strikes, military surgical strikes against the criminal organizations in these foreign countries that are involved in the drug and human trafficking. It is just as bad as a terrorist organization. We've got to prosecute also. We've also got to prosecute any American that participates in illegal uh, uh, immigration and drug trafficking, just as we do any other criminal. We've got to, even if they are politicians. For example, sanctuary cities and communities have got to be punished. I mean, they are traitors. We've got to punish them. We either work through the legal process of the Constitution or the states and jurisdictions are free to pick whatever and pick and choose whatever laws they want to obey. And that is anarchy, my friends. That is absolute anarchy. Finally, finally, we must not be afraid, my friends. We must not be afraid to call out the liberals, the leftists, the Democrats, and even the media who support open borders and who excuse, yes, I will use that phrase, who excuse and reward illegal immigration. We cannot. And that goes the same thing for international crime. We have got to prosecute. We've got to out and prosecute Americans who insist on siding with foreigners first over Americans, over us. This is an international crisis, my friends. We have millions of people in the United States who are uninvited, who showed up uninvited and now demand. Yes, they demand. They demand rights, benefits and privileges. You think about that, my friends. What nation, what nation does that? My friend Hector Garza from the uh, Border Patrol is right when he says that the border is out of control, but it's out of control. Because Democrats and many Republicans do not have the willpower to do something about it. My friends, I've just given you a list, a laundry list of things that I think we need, that we need to do. I worked in the Reagan administration on immigration issues. I continue to be an, Im- an immigration, a legal immigration advocate and an illegal immigrant opponent. I hope, I hope and pray that we can save our nation, that it's not too late. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM radio. Stay tuned, my friends. We've got a great lineup for you today. Like I said, Kendrick Ward, uh, Isaiah Mitchell, and of course, Congressman Louis, Louis Gohmert. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. El Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you once again on KLUP 930am radio. And uh, here in San Antonio, let's not forget that, here in San Antonio. And uh, we've got uh, a special guest with us, uh, uh, Mr. Isaiah Mitchell. And uh, Isaiah is the chairman of the Young Conservatives of Texas at Trinity University here in San Antonio. And uh, I've reached out to, um, to Isaiah because recently there was an incident, or there has been an incident at Trinity University that I want him to chat with us about. And tell us what's going on. And uh, so, welcome to the show, uh, Isaiah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what you're doing at, at Trinity. Howdy, George. Thank you for the warm welcome. Uh, I am the chapter chairman at Trinity of YCT, Young Conservatives of Texas. And we're involved in local political volunteer work, little campus activism. And we were uh, winding down, you know, for the end of the year 
lot of people are just preparing to go home for the summer. Uh, when this Chick-fil-A thing kind of exploded out of nowhere. Tell us about that. Tell us what happened with the Chick-fil-A uh, when you talk about the Chick-fil-A incident. What is it that happened uh, at, at Trinity? Well, I, I suppose you could say that there are two incidents. Uh, the first one was San Antonio deciding to, the city of San Antonio deciding to remove Chick-fil-A from the San Antonio airport. Correct. It was clearly a political act based on Chick-fil-A's religious values. Correct. And so we heard about that in the news, and we decided to whip together a little event uh, and just have a social at Chick-fil-A on Austin Highway. And so we all drew over there, we ate some sandwiches, and we took a few pictures, and uh, we posted them on our social media and made some other people on campus aware of them. It was just supposed to be a, a fun event for, for our club and for our members. And then... Um, a lot of people got upset about it, and so our school newspaper, the Trinitonian, reported on it and hosted a discussion where students could come and vent their frustrations about Chick-fil-A. And uh, naturally, at this discussion, um, there's a little bit of an outrage bias, right? Because no the presence of Chick-fil-A causes a lot more anger to certain people than the departure of Chick-fil-A would cause to us. And so naturally, there's more protest to get Chick-fil-A to leave than there is to get Chick-fil-A to stay. That has nothing to do, of course, with the validity of the anger towards Chick-fil-A. But it's an advantage on their part, argumentatively. And so, so afterwards, our Student Government Association, which is just a governing body elected, of stu elected by students, student representatives, uh, they passed a recommendation to remove Chick-fil-A from our campus. Uh, they're kind of on a revolving cast of restaurants that appear in uh, what's called the Commons of Trinity, kind of a cafeteria setup. And uh, after we hosted our event, a lot of people put two and two together and realized, hey, we've got a Chick-fil-A here at Trinity. We can be upset about that, too. <laughs> and, uh, and so then things kind of spiraled from there. So, the, so apparently there were some people were looking for a, for a reason to be upset, and Chick-fil-A was there very conveniently. Very, very interesting. Do you think, I, I, I mean, what is the role of the... Uh, uh, of of the Trinity administration, I'll call them, uh, since the student council uh, has voted uh, to to remove them. What is the role of the uh, of the um, uh, of the administration? Are they going to? Do you think they'll go along with it? I think that they will. Um, right now, the the recommendation that our student government passed is mostly symbolic. I mean, they mean it. They mean business. They want to see Chick Fil A gone. Right. But. That won't actually happen unless the administration decides to listen to them. Yeah. They're just a student body. They, they can't really make decisions about what the administration does or doesn't do. That's up to the board of trustees and so forth. It's, it's up to the grown-ups, as you put it. And they're in a bit of a tight spot because the silent majority is with Chick-fil-A. And we know that because Chick-fil-A is the most popular restaurant out of that revolving cast that I mentioned of restaurants that we have here on campus. Every time Chick-fil-A opens up, the line goes out the door. And so they're the most profitable for the administration to keep here. But on the other hand, the reason why I think that the administration will fold to the student body is because they've demonstrated that kind of momentum in the recent past uh, with a few things. I wrote about this in an article for uh, our publication here, The Tower. Um, in recent years, past few decades, and especially speeding up in even just the past few months, the administration has developed a pattern of folding to vocal progressive students who are essentially a minority on campus. Liberals are not, but vocal, angry progressives making demands like this tend to be. And so, for example, next year, for the first time, Trinity will have gender-neutral dormitory housing. Um, a few years ago, two or three, I believe, they expanded uh, their courses that freshmen were required to take it was formerly a great books course on classics of the Western world, the Iliad, the Odyssey, and so forth. But they reintroduced, or they introduced a whole host of other courses about climate change, on gender, uh, the politics of food, ridiculous topics. And um, so I just bring these up as examples of how the administration lately uh, tends to be a little too responsive to um, the whims of progressives on campus. Well, now, you know, what I find very, very curious and ironic is that um, Trinity University uh, was founded by Presbyterians, by a church group, by a religious Christian gr church group. 
Um, does that ever enter into the into the uh, into the discussion at the uh, for these progressives? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Um, essentially, the, the progressives are ignoring the fact that this is essentially uh, a moral disagreement for the most part that is becoming political. Right. And you know, the Christians tend to make a distinction between acts of sin and the people who commit them of the sinner and hate the sin. But uh, progressives can't make that difference. They overlook that distinction. No, everybody's and guilty. Everybody's guilty. <laughs> right. Of course. You know, that's, that's the basis of Christianity and the basis of conservative thought. Um, but progressives see any kind of condemnation of homosexuality as a condemnation of the people who are homosexual. And so they, they can't seem to make that distinction that theology and Christianity tends to do. And so uh, because of that, they're, you know, it's a knee-jerk reaction against you know, a perfectly historically reasonable and natural opposition to homosexuality. And anyway, so that, that's the moral disagreement at the heart of it, obviously. Most mm-hmm. people should know that, but uh, most progressives are blind to that issue, and they see something they disagree with, and they want to control other people's purchases because of it. Now, the other question, the other issue that I find very strange and ironic in this whole situation is that I don't believe, now you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's happened at Trinity, but I don't believe that Trini- that uh, Chick-fil-A has ever discriminated in hiring or in serving uh, anyone. I mean, they, they serve to anybody who's got the money, and they will hire anybody who wants to work. Is that, uh, is that the case at, at Trinity? I mean, or, or was there a, a, uh, an, a, a discrimination against, uh, against LGB types uh, there? Of course there is no discrimination. The employees are not asking the customers about their sexual history or preferences. They're just asking for their money, and they'll give them the chicken. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, um, of course, there's been no discrimination uh, recorded. There's no evidence of that. The way that the discussion went that I mentioned earlier, um, so-called roundtable Socratic discussion among the students, there was a lot of misinformation spread about the nature of discrimination that they alleged Chick-fil-A had practiced. And um, naturally, I mean, this goes back to the moral disagreements Right. Um, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A's values uh, very clearly and for a long time now uh, have disagreed with any conception of marriage that is not a monogamous relationship between a man and a woman. And obviously that's a very old traditional idea. Uh, Young Conservatives of Texas, we're not a religious organization, but we stand for religious freedom. Correct. And for the First Amendment, as all the amendments. And so naturally we uphold the right of any business to hold values while conducting business, and we hope that the, the government doesn't interfere with that. But uh, that traditional definition of marriage is what came under attack. And so then they latch onto that, and any organization that Chick-fil-A donates to that also has that definition of marriage is then deemed homophobic. And so, once again, we, we fail to make the distinction between you know moral condemnation and actual violence against people. Progressives equate the two. Exactly. Uh, amazing. Uh, Isaiah, tell the folks as we close here, um, tell the folks about uh, uh, how we can support you guys at uh, how we can support uh, young conservatives at Trinity. Uh, what it is that you guys, uh, you know, uh, how we could how we might be able to uh, work with you guys better. Well, you know, in campaign years, um, well, one big project that we rallied around, for example, was Chip Roy's congressional campaign. And our group at Trinity ended up, um, what, what they would say, knocking the margin of victory. Meaning that when we went out and we knocked doors, uh, the amount of doors that we knocked mathematically uh, was greater than the amount of votes that uh, Chip Roy won by in his margin of victory. And so during elections, big election cycles like that, we can always use more volunteers who aren't in college to work with us knocking doors. But uh, for right now, if people want something that they can do, you know, as they're listening to the radio right now, um, they should know that YCT is running a little lean. And uh, we're a fairly young chapter here at Trinity. And when we started out, we were very small, wavering at about eight people. And now we have about 60 members. And so... Wow. Excellent. The kind of projects... I think so. It is exciting. But the kind of projects that uh, we like to do and that we've traditionally done are getting a little harder to manage when we're just on, on a shoestring budget that we have. And so if people want to donate to YCT, then they can go to yct.org, and on the left-hand side of a computer, there will be a little tab that says 
donate, and uh, you can click on that and donate to the the organization statewide. Uh, I don't know what it looks like on a smartphone because I have a flip phone. I'm <laughs> conservative in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for uh, for coming on the show, uh, Isaiah. And um, we've been talking with uh, uh, Isaiah Mitchell, the chairman of the Young Conservatives of Texas at Trinity University. And uh, we want to. We'll get you back on uh, sometime again soon. Do some follow up on this or any other stories that are going on. We certainly hope that you guys are not being victimized too much by the by the um, by the leftists and progressives there at, at the campus, buddy. Well, you know that's the thing. Uh, the atmosphere of Trinity is kind of its own animal. It's somewhere in between conservative schools like Hillsdale and commie schools like Berkeley, and so it, it varies. But as our group grows and we get more influential and we start being more active, as we have been this past year or two, progressives on campus realize, oh, no, these guys are a threat, and they become more aggressive in response. So every little donation can, can go towards legal aid, uh, can go towards security for our events, can go towards our ability to get publicity out and have our voices heard. So every, every little bit helps us out. Excellent, my friend. Thank you once again. Isaiah Mitchell. Chairman of the Young Conservatives of Texas at Trinity University. Howdy, 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 Mike Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, uh, another good uh, friend of mine, uh, who is a, uh, a freelance journalist here in uh, San Antonio. And uh, since we had Ira Melman the other day on, t- on, uh, on our show from uh, FAIR, uh, I'd like to get his, uh, his opinion about another FAIR article that appeared uh, regarding uh, the economic contributions of, uh, of immigrants, and of course they're always talking about immigrants, uh, to, uh, to San Antonio specifically, because uh, since uh, he's based here in San Antonio... Uh, I'd like to get his uh, his uh, comments on it. Uh, this is uh, Mr. Kenrick Ward. Kenrick, Ken, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine. How are you? Real, real good. Just watching this election here in San Antonio as to where we're going to go and what's going to happen. Well, right. Um, so, yeah, on the immigration issue, which does sort of impact on the, the election because there was a story out uh, yesterday in the local newspaper, the Express News, uh, citing a report by a group called the New American Economy. Uh, this is a, a East Coast think tank uh, funded and financed by uh, the likes of uh, Michael Bloomberg and Rupert Murdoch. So it, it's so-called bipartisan. Uh, but what this study uh, came out with and what the Express News breathlessly reported was that uh, immigrants own... 30% of the businesses in uh, San Antonio, and therefore, they are the economic engine and driver of uh, the city. And of course, the uh, the politicians are all in on this, and isn't diversity great, and how wonderful it is that the immigrants are sharing their, their wealth and talent with us. Um, but there's many problems with this reporting and with this study. Uh, and uh, a fair article that came out uh, yesterday uh, brought out a lot of these points about the, the fiction that's being pervade here. Uh, first of all, there's no real distinction uh, in the report or in the reporting between illegal and, and legal immigration. Uh, that's an important distinction because you're talking about two very different kinds of people. Um, but if you read between the lines and study the report, you do glean some, some interesting facts uh, beyond the, the top line. Uh, one is that uh, the illegal immigrants uh, account for about $1.1 billion, that's with a B, uh, in wages and earnings in the city. Uh, that was an interesting statistic, and what it should first tell you is, first of all, you're kind of stunned by the number, but... <laughs> to that, say the what least. What it does tell you is, well, that's theoretically uh, $1.1 billion that is not going into the pockets of legal citizens. They're, they're not getting those jobs. There's about 37000 people on unemployment in San Antonio who are collecting unemployment benefits. Uh, they're not working, but uh, illegal aliens are, at least some of them are. So you have a, you have a drain right there. Uh, and 
then you go a little deeper into the demographics of this of this uh, immigrant situation. The, uh, the this group, the New American Economy, estimates, and I conservatively, I think, that there are sixty five thousand illegals in the city. Uh, I, I think there's probably much uh, higher. I, than I, that. It's got to be much higher. <laughs> I think it's much higher than that. Yes. Right. But let's just say that's that's the case. If that is in fact the case, um, we know from national studies that uh, over eighty percent of uh, illegals send money back to Mexico or back to their home country. Our illegal population here is predominantly Mexican, and Mexico does subsist largely on remittances from uh, their people who have left the country and come to the United States to work. So that's that's another drain, a siphoning of assets. Money that is being earned here by immigrants is now uh, ending up in Mexico or point south or east or west and that's not helping the San Antonio economy at all it's just, it's just siphoning and funneling money out of the city, it's money that's not circulating here. It's going to some little community in, uh, south of the border Right, so all this uh, as the, uh, the fair story notes is all of this is a drag on the San Antonio economy, it's not a benefit it's not an add-on, it actually uh, is draining the San Antonio economy uh, and all the attendant uh, things that go along with it. Uh, now, whether you're talking about uh, legal or illegal immigrants, there's also the question of just the cost of burden that uh, incurs to the taxpayers. Uh, Fair did a study uh, a year or so ago uh, that breaks down all the costs associated with uh, immigrants, whether it's the free schools or the, the hospitalization, the health care, the social services, the housing allowances. Uh, all of which uh, legal immigrants are eligible for, of course, and, and do get. Uh, but even some illegals have managed to get onto the program. And for the state of Texas, uh, it's over $10 billion a year. That's billion with a B uh, in terms of tax benefits that accrue to, uh, to immigrants. So the, the bottom line is you add up all these costs and all this uh, moving around of money, and uh, you get a very different picture than what the Express News uh, reported and what the politicians like to talk about when they say we must embrace diversity and must welcome all immigrants. Uh, Mayor Nuremberg has his own liaison for immigration. I don't know how much she's getting paid, but uh, it suggests that there's a whole uh, city hall apparatus uh, and bureaucracy set up. Uh, they've already uh, co-opted some of the city's uh, space uh, in a building right near the Greyhound bus station to accommodate the oncoming uh, flood of immigrants uh, arriving from the border. Uh, so this is morphing from a you know a uh, federal government responsibility to a social service responsibility by charities, and now ultimately it lands on the city, and the city will of course absorb costs. But we'll talk about those costs. They're all about the benefits, but they're not about the costs. And so that's that's what I think uh, readers and listeners need to pay attention to when they see stories in the mainstream media, whether it's a emotionally based weeper about uh, some uh, benighted migrant, or whether it's uh, a politician um, talking about the, the glories and wonders of diversity. These are all nice, touchy-feely, emotional uh, points, but I think it's important that readers and listeners uh, take into account the actual hard numbers that are in play. I, I find it very, very interesting whenever they talk about the benefits uh, in uh, ec the economic benefits, the engines, the, as I always put it, uh, that uh, immigrants, and again, they never talk about illegal or legal immigrants. But the fact of the matter is that illegal immigrants and uh, studies have shown that they take more out of the system rather than they put in. Uh, have you seen that? Yeah. Have you seen that? I have seen that, and it's partly because the, whether it's the U.S. Treasury Department or other state and federal agencies, uh, they're allowing people to get uh, tax refunds, earned income tax credits, even if they don't have a Social Security number. And then, of course, we know that there's all kinds of rampant uh, identity fraud and theft going on where people are, in fact, uh, gaming the system using other people's identification. So there, there's really clearly a, a spigot that is being tapped uh, by the immigrants, legal and illegal. And there's just, we know right off that uh, schools have to accommodate uh, any child that shows up at the doorstep. And we know for a fact that 
uh, illegal immigrants are working in a shadow economy, if they're working at all, and they're getting paid basically slave wages by opportunistic employers who are paying below market rates. Uh, we know, for instance, also that the profile of uh, immigrants, uh, especially illegals, is uh, very low on the educational scale. Uh, the fair story uh, references this as well, that while there have been some improvements in educational attainment among south of the border uh, immigrants, there has been a consistent uh, lack of uh, college education. So, um, yeah, of course they're a drain because they are not uh, in a position uh, to be working in professional jobs, uh, and they're they're collecting more in the way of, of social services and public benefits than they are contributing in terms of taxes. You know, back on the remittance point of the money that's going back to the home country, those remittances clearly exceed any amount of taxes that immigrants pay. Uh, that that much is certainly clear. So the U.S. Is, the U.S. in general and and uh, San Antonio in particular is losing money day by day because, uh, frankly, it's leaving the system. It's, it's uh, no longer in our country, and uh, people like uh, Mayor Nuremberg and big city mayors and uh, council people everywhere are all about being sanctuary cities and accommodating uh, the arrival of immigrants uh, however they get there. They don't, they don't care uh, because basically the politicians see these people as easily manipulated uh, they see them as easy votes, and uh, the more that they can uh, create a dependent society and system, uh, the better it is for the politicians. It, it accrues to their greatness and glory. Let me let me ask you this question in closing: Do you think that illegal immigration should be an issue uh, for uh, the voters of San Antonio to uh, to raise or be concerned about uh, in this uh, mayoral election? Uh, absolutely, um, the city itself made it an issue um, a, a Christmas ago when the city's police chief uh, just unilaterally, arbitrarily, and illegally released a dozen illegal aliens uh, who had been uh, uh, discovered in a uh, semi-truck uh, van. Um, so that case, and it's now a, a matter of uh, law, uh, according to an investigation by the attorney general's office, the city has already incurred um, over a quarter million dollars in legal fees uh, in an attempt to defend itself for this illegal action that it took. And uh, as people may know, the city police chief uh, operates uh, at the at the behest of the city council uh, appointed by the city manager, then Cheryl Scully. So we have a, a rogue police chief who is undermining uh, federal immigration law, um, and even though the city is not technically a declared sanctuary city, uh, Ron Nuremberg has trotted up to Austin on several occasions in an effort to overturn uh, the anti-sanctuary state law as before. And he has talked at every opportunity about how uh, the city does not intend to uh, follow the law when it comes to um, the harboring uh, and the uh, aiding and abetting of illegal aliens. So, yes, uh, certainly... Uh, Mayor Nuremberg has staked out his position, and uh, that's something that uh, voters need to be aware of. Ken, thank you very, very much for joining us this uh, today on uh, on our show. Once again, my friends, we've been talking to Ken Ward, Kenrick Ward, who is a uh, freelance journalist here in San Antonio. Um, and uh, once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador, Thank you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and uh, on KLUP 930 AM, the, the answer. We've got a very special guest with us this morning, uh, Congressman Louis Gohmert from uh, uh, the Tyler, uh, from Tyler, Texas, from District 1, and uh, we wanted to reach out to him. He is one of my, uh, my heroes in D.C., and uh, we wanted to reach out to him and uh, find out what's going on in the swamp. And uh, let him uh, give us an, uh, an uh, idea of uh, what's what's going on with our freedoms and the peril to our freedoms. Louis, welcome to the show. I'm so I'm so so honored to have you on the show. How are things uh, How are things in D.C., buddy? Well, uh, terrible, terrible, George. <laughs> it is always great to talk to you. I always feel better talking to you. But because uh, you know we're kind of of the same mind. But uh, it's just phenomenal. Here, it's taken two and a half years to find out for for certain to have the evidence that um, the government was weaponized and the FBI at the top was compromised, the DOJ at the top was compromised. Apparently, our intel community was uh, was compromised and weaponized. All of those things politically for political use. Uh, we already knew the IRS had been uh, weaponized. You dealt with that yourself. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, but but I, as a former judge and prosecutor, chief justice, I I just could not believe that at the top thing it could be so badly abused. Uh, but now we know for certain there was uh, the all of those entities were utilized uh, to try to prevent Donald Trump from being elected. And then after he was, uh, without any probable cause, without any legitimacy, uh, that some top people in the FBI, some top people in the Department of Justice, some top people in the, and it may have been, apparently did involve some lower-ranking people in our intel, but uh, they went after a campaign. They got... Uh, Four, at least four warrants signed without any probable cause, without uh, uh, any legitimacy. Uh, fraud, would, well, I should say a fraud was committed on the court. I think it was. The only other alternative to the FBI and DOJ committing fraud upon the FISA court was if they had one or more judges who were on the team of weaponizing and going after the um, uh, the, the president that had been elected. So uh, it's just a scary time. Uh, I know you've heard the talking points, the two words that uh, this week every alt-left media, which means mainstream media, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, ABC, they're all saying, saying it's a constitutional crisis. Jerry Nadler saying it's a constitutional crisis. And they're right and they don't realize they are part of the cause for the constitutional crisis. They now people like Nadler. I mean, this is a smart guy. And my first term here, '05 and '06, I was impressed how concerned he was with individual rights, privacy rights, making sure that uh, the FISA court didn't go too far. Rain, concerned about reigning in the Patriot Act, and then they got the majority. Then Obama became president. And he totally forgot about constitutional rights, and that is still a situation today. Uh, so it's a very, very dangerous time in our history when you have people in the majority of the House of Representatives, people in control of the House, and they are perfectly fine with running roughshod over our constitutional rights. That's the bottom line, George. Let me let me ask you this because I remember back in two in twenty thirteen, you made a comment uh, about how you could see that the FBI at that point uh, was uh, playing favoritism with uh, with a um, uh, an investigation. Uh, and I can't remember which it was, but I know that it had to do with uh, with um, uh, Christian groups. Um, and uh, you brought you called uh, you called Eric Holder on the, on the rug, but uh, I don't think he ever appeared. I think he he just he just kind of blew you guys off. He and I he and I got into it a number of times uh, with 
he would come to testify before our committee. And uh, I guess what I'm told is the most famous exchange is he was trying to slander me, and I was not going to let him talk over me and slander me. And uh, I reached back and pulled out a line that uh, uh, a famous uh, person, attorney Percy Foreman. He was a criminal defense attorney from Houston. I remember him. <laughs> in, you know, like the 40s, 50s, 60s. But when he was getting, when somebody was frustrating him and he didn't have a legitimate objection, he would just stand up and say, I object. He's casting aspersions on my asparagus. And then sit down indignantly. <laughs> and everybody in the courtroom and the judge would be going, wasn't he what did he say? Anyway, it just changed the whole dynamic. So while Holder was, was trying to demean me, I said, he's casting aspersions on my asparagus. And anyway, it, it, you know, people going, what? What? And the left stream media was going, what? what? Anyway, they tried to uh, say I was crazy. I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, anyway, they ultimately found out, actually, that was a line from a brilliant uh, uh, left leftist Democrat, but uh, but then a year later, a whole year later, George, Eric Holder is back in front of us, and I'm coming after him for his uh, disingenuity and his uh, actual dishonesty, and the last thing he says after my time is up is, and good luck with your asparagus. <laughs> and people around me were going... Wow, Louis, you've been living rent-free in his head for a whole year. <laughs> well, how about that? But uh, anyway, it, it is a desperate situation, and you can go back to those days with Holder when he was the Attorney General. Uh, he was found in contempt after over a year of trying to get documents on Fast and Furious. We tried everything we possibly could, and he still wouldn't produce them. And I think it was probably because if he had, we would have seen his involvement and uh, his abuses of the ATF and FBI and Justice Department uh, trying to, as they we found out from emails, they were trying to destroy uh, our Second Amendment rights and hoping they could uh, get enough people upset that they would say, you know what, maybe we do need to just blow off our Second Amendment rights. But the truth is, George, uh, it was said by John Adams when he was president in 1797. He said, and he knew the Constitution. He was there. He said, this Constitution was intended for a moral and religious people. It has, It is totally inadequate for the government of any others. And and it's so true. When we have gotten away from our Judeo-Christian beginnings, our foundation, not everybody was a Christian, but they believed in the Bible and believed what it taught and believed that was the way to successful freedom. And if we are not going to teach right and wrong, morality and immorality, if we're going to continue to teach that everything's relative, even your gender is determined by how you feel that day when you get up, you feel like a man, feel like a woman. We continue to to, to say everything's relative. Well, we're gonna if we're gonna keep people safe, we're gonna have to do away with the Second Amendment, with all of the freedoms of the First Amendment. We can't allow people to say what they think because there's so much immorality. If that's where we're headed, and we can't have constitutional rights if we're not going to get back to teaching right and wrong. And we have a, a, a majority party in the House now that believes. We should do away with some of these rights uh, because, uh, gee, that's the only way you stop so much evil. It's a scary time, really, right now, George. It really is. I mean, I, I listen to folks like Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Omar, and I, I just wonder, you know, what is our future? I just wonder how, how do you do you think, uh, Congressman, that uh, Republicans, uh, folks like yourself, can work with with folks like that, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I remember. I know, I know we can work with people like that, but not as long as they think either Sharia law is a good mm -hmm. idea, or that we should not be able to teach right and wrong. Uh, as long as they believe that, then they are going to continue to finish off and destroy this little experiment in self government. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, you and I have talked before about climate change. Uh, you know, they they want to scare everybody into believing 
that man controls the weather. We control the climate for good or bad. We control it. And if you convince people of that, then that allows you to take away their freedom of speech, their freedom of assembly, their freedom of religion. You've got to give up your right to have guns because the government is going to have to save the planet and they're going to have to rough, run roughshod over all of your rights. They're going to have to surveil you, monitor your emails, monitor your phone calls, just to make sure that you're not doing anything to keep the government from saving the planet. That's that's where they're headed. That's what they think. And so, you know, the climate always changes. It never stays the same. And I ask uh, one of... Uh, our experts in our natural resources here um, uh, gee has the planet ever been as warm in the last 400 years or so as it was when the Norse came over to Greenland and, and set up uh, great farms there and, and what was is now an icy place and he said well we can't say for the whole planet now he said because we don't have enough readings from the southern hemisphere but there's no question the planet has never been as warm in, the, in hundreds of years as it was when Greenland was a great place to have farms for the north <laughs> uh, but we don't have the readings he said from the, the southern hemisphere to know whether the whole planet was warmer then or not well it, it wasn't as warm hasn't been as warm as it was back then but uh, anyway, if you want to take away people's rights, you've got to convince them that the world's coming to an end unless they give up their rights. And that's where the left is going. Yep. And if we're going to have our freedoms, we got to fight for them. Yep, they are, they are dwelling on, they are really playing on, on insecure and immature people, I think. Congressman, well, thank that's you. What, that's <laughs> what the, the biggest dictators have always done. George, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much, Congressman, for being on our show. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP, and we've been talking with Congressman Louis Gomert from District 1 in Texas. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.